All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Dropping the Gloves with Tim and John. Thank you for joining us. We are the official podcast of HockeyFights.com. Want to watch a fight? Go to HockeyFights.com. Very enjoyable site. I go there daily. I have lots of fun every time I go there. Tim, how you doing, my friend? Doing pretty good. Had a big weekend, as I told you before. I uh, bought a car, so I'm Ooh. picking that up in just a few hours here. And I booked a trip last night, kind of on a whim. In my mind, I've been like planning on doing something. And, uh, and I just like looked at some flights and booked it last night. So I'm going so to So you want to go somewhere sunny, get, get a tan, go out, you know, lay on the beach. So you're going to Mexico, Florida. Where are you going? I'm going to Oregon next week. Pacific oh. Northwest. Oh, yeah. In April, you're going to May. Oregon. In May. Beginning of May, April showers, May brings flowers. May flowers. Why Oregon? Why at the beginning of May? Why, you want to go protest something? No, no, I'm not going to Portland. Um, I'm going to Oregon just because it's supposed to be one of the most beautiful areas in the country. And I haven't been to the Pacific Northwest before. So um, it's going to be a short trip, four-day weekend. I'm going to go to um, some of the coastal towns, drive on the, that Pacific Highway, do some hiking crater lake national park has always been on the list and just explore some new cities it'll be it'll be like go 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 a lot of driving a lot of travel the logistics of it are tough like going because from traverse city to eugene oregon it's like two layovers like nine hours of flying then you lose three hours when you come back and it's kind of a, a mess there but it'll be fun what's the covid protocol do you got to get tested before you go how does that work no only for international flights okay wow that's a, it's an interesting destination. It's You're a, an interesting guy. It's a mountain like wilderness type of thing. It's like the twilight was filmed there, right? Uh, probably the or twilight movies. I used to watch those when I was younger. Anyways, I've revealed too much. Um, well, that's exciting. You got a new car. You're just, you're just living the dream, Tim. Congratulations. Do you want to tell the listeners what kind of car you got? It's a 2018 Nissan rogue. Ooh, what color? It's like a dark charcoal, like dark gray. That's good. Any it's options? A, any packages you get? Like add-ons and stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's an SL, I think, which just has Ooh. like the sunroof and the heated seats and all that. And Wow. Um, yeah, that, I, I told him like 
those are the things that I cared about. Like I don't care about most things, but I wanted the sunroof because I use it a lot. I wanted the heated seats because I never had them before. Heated steering wheel too, I think. Um, and it's certified pre-owned, so it's pretty, it's got a lot of coverage stuff, which is good. The guy's trying to tell you, sir, this engine's been rebuilt three times. Does it have a sunroof? <laughs> yeah. It does. I'll take it. <laughs> sir, there's no muffler. Does it have heated seats? Uh, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty much how the conversation went. Typical millennial. Your priorities are all off. You just want to look cool. There's nothing underneath the hood. There's nothing there. It's just all, all flash. All flash. It's all. Anyways, moving on, Tim. I don't want to get into your life and try to tell you how to live. You seem to be doing an okay job. So, a few months ago, it was free agency period. The teams were a little hesitant to spend money. They were gauging the market. It was definitely a buyer's market. The players who were free agents, I think they were just getting any deal they could. You saw players signing for less money than they were expected to get. Guys like Peter Angelo, Krug, those types of superstars who would have garnered, I would say, eight, nine, ten million dollar offers were suddenly, you know, going for less than market value just because the flat calorie sap. We all know what's why. Anyways, a lot of guys instead of taking less money longer term, decided to do a shorter term with a little more money and bank on their play and potentially, you know, hit the jackpot this upcoming season. So we looked back, we looked at the guy, guys who I call them prove it deals where they just said, you know what, you're not going to offer me a long-term deal. I'm going to put, I'm going to take a one-term year and I'm going to make you pay me next year. It was Taylor Hall, Anthony Duclair, Mike Hoffman, Tyson Berry, Eric Halla. Those were the, the five guys. So there was a couple other guys who took one or two-year deals where I'm assuming they had longer term on the table, but they didn't take it because they didn't want to take um, a deal that was $2, 3000000 million under their market value. So we're going to focus on those five guys. Would you agree that those are guys who kind of did prove it deals, Tim? Yeah, I would. Yep. All right. Well, let's start with Eric Halla. I think out of the list, he's the guy who wasn't the – the, the sexiest of picks, his numbers weren't, were, weren't where the other guys' numbers were, you know, he, he doesn't put up huge numbers in his career, but he's a solid player. I think in any regular off season, any regular free agency period, he would get three to $4 million. That's the type of forward that he, you don't think so, Tim, he gives me this little smile. No, I agree. Yeah. I, well, actually, what are you I, smiling I like about? I like him as a player. What are you looking at on your computer when I'm talking right now? I'm looking at his stats right now. It's unbelievable. The the problem with COVID, everybody, we used to tape in person. It was very intimate. Now, Tim wears glasses so I can see his computer screen, and it just lights up like different things. He's swiping right. on. I see it all the time, and he's not even paying attention to the podcast. Half the I'm looking time. at Eric Hall's stats right now. Don't make me share my screen. I'll show you. I don't want to see your screen. I'm a married man. But anyways, so Eric Hall, he had to prove a deal this year. He hasn't really had that remarkable year. He's playing for Nashville. Um, he was expected to slot in as a second line winger, really fly up and down the ice, you know, compliment Philippe Forsberg, you know, uh, th- those types of players. It hasn't really worked out. He's played 45 games to date. He's only has 16 points. He signed for a measly $1.75 million. So when you look at the grand scheme of things, he didn't get the money. I feel like he was deserved. I like him. You like him. The year before, he put up close to 25. He only had 24 points the year before, but with his years in Vegas, he was putting up consistently 30, 40, close to 50 points every year. Where does he slot in next year? Did he make 
a good decision, Tim, by only signing a one-year deal for 1.75? Is he going to match that this upcoming season? Is he going to exceed it? Is he going to come in lower? At the end of the day, the season's coming to an end. Did Eric Halla make the right choice by taking a prove-it deal, yes or no? Um, I would say probably not just because the numbers aren't there. And I, he's probably annoyed too. I bet he wanted to be traded at the deadline because I think he's the guy that if he's on a more talented team in the right situation, he could do better than that. I mean, we've seen in Vegas, he had 55 points, 29 goals uh, three years ago, you know, so he's, he's got some talent. The pedigree is there. I, I don't know. I, I would rather, I, I think he signs for a similar number next off season, uh, on, on as far as salary goes, we're probably a two or three year deal, not this bridge deal that he has now. I agree. I think he swung and missed. I feel like he should have signed for a longer term because now he's not getting any younger. There's younger guys coming up who are fast, dynamic, very similar type players to Eric Hall. And if you're a GM, he's going to be expecting at least 1.75 this coming off season, or you could sign a guy coming right out of juniors, a draft pick, a third or fourth round guy, league minimum, have him for three years, develop him. This this I, I'm not going to say we're not going to. This is the end of Eric Holly. He's obviously going to get a deal. I don't think he sniffs two million ever again in his in his lifetime. So it, it was a big gamble for him because he's not a superstar like the other guys on this list who have you know had these seasons where they've solidified their status in the league. Gosh, it's too bad. He's a good player. I think he signs for one point five this offseason for two three years. And that's all she wrote. He really swung for the fences this year, and he missed. Strikeout. Sorry, Eric Hall. Tim loves you. Tim absolutely loves you. He's He considers you a man rocket. He's not a man what, rocket. He's a good player. What, what is – what's the criteria for being a man rocket then if, if Eric Hall is not a man rocket? Is he too short? You like tall guys? It's, it's not something you can quantify, John. You either have it or you don't, and he doesn't have it. But why doesn't he have it? It's just it's just it's something you can't you can't explain. You feel it inside. Yeah, when you know, you know. Interesting. When I was playing, would you have? <laughs> I'm not even going to ask it. I'm, I know the answer. Anyways, moving on. Tyson Berry, our our old friend Tyson, went to the Toronto Maple Leafs, ruined Jake Gardner's career. You could say. Jake's been a shell of him for his former self did not work out in Toronto decided to take his talents to South beach sign with the Edmonton Oilers. He's having a really good season. I feel like this is a case much the total opposite of Eric Hall. Tyson buried signed for one year, 3.75. When you look at his stats over his career, he's a defenseman. He's a puck moving defenseman. I always say in this day and age, you need a defenseman who can, Get a good breakout pass, jump in the rush, be that second and third wave of offense that you need. That's how you score these days. Forwards are too good at backtracking. You need to have outman rush. It's not a three-on-two anymore you're looking for. It's the four-on-three. It's the fourth guy in the play who's the most dangerous play. player on the ice. He's gotten over his career 53 points, 49, 57, 59. The guy puts up points. So when you could become a free agent, if you're Tyson Berry and you're entering the market, you're just cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. You're ready to just back up the truck. Let's, let's cash in, baby. He couldn't do it. He waited around. The offers weren't coming. I'm guessing they were coming around 3-5, you know, in that range. So 
he takes a one-year deal with Edmonton for $3.75 million, and he's trying to resurrect his career. He had a down year in Toronto, and a down year for Tyson Berry is getting 39 points, by the way, which is not a bad year. But if you're a defenseman and you want to be an elite defenseman like Tyson Berry thinks he is and make the seven, eight, nine million million, you got to put up more points than that and be a little better defensively. So he goes to Edmonton, plays with the best players in the world. He's having a pretty decent season. He's resurrected his career. He's being more responsible defensively. I don't know if that's because of a system or just, I don't know why, but just from uh, just an eye test when I'm watching games, he doesn't seem out of place. He's not getting beat like he was last year in Toronto, like a redheaded stepchild. He, he's, he's keeping up in the play. He's got 38 points, matching his total from last year in 35 less games. He's plus three, which has always been a problem with Tyson Berry. He's had some pretty, pretty bad bad years he's you know taking home the green jacket a couple times in Colorado but if you're looking at me and you're asking me what Tyson Berry signs for this offseason considering last year he got 3.75 if I'm Tyson Berry I'm asking for six million dollars I'm asking for that range you have shown the league you're still the player that you were in Colorado when you were just lighting it up and he he is definitely for prove it year deal he has nailed it He's absolutely knocked out of the park. I, I, don't, I don't think he could have done anything better this season short of scoring a little bit more goals. He's only got six goals. He's got 32 apples. He is keeping up with Connor McDavid, which is the preeminent forward in the league. That's what everybody sets their mark to. Can you keep up with Connor? Are you able to get him the puck? He can play with anybody in the league if he can play with Connor McDavid. I don't know. Where, where do you see his value moving into next season? And what do you think he'll get? You hit the money on the head for me. I, th- I was going to say five and a half. The six money million. on the head. The nail on the head, Tim. Money on the, right on the money, nail on the head. Um, yeah, I was going to say five and a half, six million. So I think we're right there. And I mean, credit to him too. I can't imagine a better situation to be in a prove-it type deal than in Edmonton skating with 97 and 29, right? So I think, I mean, he, he knew what he was going into and he's executing good for him. Uh, I hope he stays in Edmonton. I, I mean, I think they obviously value him and he can, he can skate with these guys and he can put up points and not to mention the, uh, the power play points he's putting up so far, 18 so far this year, I'll probably get to around 25 by the time the season's over. So in a full season in a longer season, I think he'll do even better. So yeah, I, I think this is a good decision for him. And I think he hit a home run here. Yeah. I did an interview this um, past week with uh, with a guy out in Edmonton and we, we were just talking about contracts and players moving and, what what is the biggest factor in signing a contract? Is it just strictly term? Is it strictly amount of money? And I think different parts in your career, you you do look at contracts differently. And when you're in a prove it deal, and you're you know you're signing a one year deal, and I did this during my career, where maybe there was more money on the table with another team with Tyson Berry, maybe he could have signed with like the New Jersey Devils or Columbus Blue Jackets or another team. He saw Edmonton. He saw the potential there. And if you can go, like you said, for a prove-it deal, this is a perfect spot for him. He knows he's going to put up points. He knows he is their only offensive option on the back end. So he's going to be on the first power play unit with those guys. Like, you would have to be the worst play. Tim, you could be on the power play unit and pick up 15 to 20 points a season. And that's not even, like, that is sliding your game because you're not an NHL caliber player. All you have to do is give Connor the puck and you're going to get at least 10 assists a year on the power play. You know what I mean? Yep. So if you're Tyson Berry, you've been in the league for 10 years and you're trying to find a place to resurrect your career and to, you know, change your perception, you go to Edmonton. 
You put up 50 points in 60, 56 games, and then you have way more suitors than you had ever before coming into this season. So good for him. He nailed it. It's actually funny when I was doing that interview, they asked me if I've ever had you know, any issues with that. I was getting heavily pursued by Edmonton when I was a free agent. They always came after me, and I turned them down every year because I didn't think it was a good situation. They were in last place. They were just – nobody took them serious. And I always tried to go to a team that was a winning team because when you're a GM and you want to get players, you go to a winning team and say, why are they so good? It's a copycat league. You want to get players who are with a successful organization because GMs, they don't have any original ideas. They don't know. They just copycat. Oh, that guy won the cup. What is he doing? Let's try to do what they do. And that's all they, that's all they do. It's, it's such a – it's very easy when you look at it. There's, there's no magic formula that every GM has. It's like, oh, Toronto, they're doing good. Let's try to do what they're doing. No, Pittsburgh, they want a cup. Let's try to do what they're doing. Let's tank for a few years and get a draft pick. So anyways, good on Tyson Berry. He hit a home run. Eric Hollis struck out. Let's see what Mike Hoffman did. Mike Hoffman, very, very talked about forward this offseason. Obviously had a fallout with Ottawa, Eric Carlson. There was some issues there with their wives. They had some infighting. Is Mike Hoffman a good teammate? Do we want to bring that guy into our locker room? What's what's the dynamic going to be? Is he going to you know ruin the the bond that the players have? No one knows. Mike Hoffman, enigma. Who would who would have guessed? Anyways, so he signs a one year deal with the St. Louis Blues. Didn't really get a lot of press. Kind of one of those signings that it just happened, and they released the terms like a week later. And everybody just forgot about it because the, the story had changed. But he signed a one-year, $4 million deal. And if you're Mike Hoffman, much like Tyson Berry, you've, you have a reputation of scoring goals. The guy consistently, consistently scores 25 goals. Like you can set your clock to it. Mike Hoffman is going to get me 25 goals over his career. When he's been a regular, he's gotten 27, 29, 26, 22, 36, 29. Like that's, that's not nothing, Tim. It's a lot of goals. It's pretty significant. And I, I remember thinking he would do well in, in uh, St. Louis just because, like, I mean, they have such a strong forward group. And he was in a situation where he didn't really have to be the guy, right? Like in Ottawa, he always – and in even Florida, he was expected to put up big numbers. And I thought maybe playing in the Blues would just help him out a little bit so he's kind of skating against the second and third pairing defenseman instead of the first and second. He's done okay. He's got 14 goals, 14 assists for 28 points in 41 games. That's actually more than I thought because no one's talking about him. Um, and especially he's putting up some, some decent assist numbers too. But I would hope for a little bit more in 41 games. And I'm, I'm hoping he's, he's at like the 20 goal mark. Um, I think so. I don't know. He's not, he's not, he hasn't hit a home run. I don't think he's struck out completely, but I don't think he's done himself any favors in terms of earning a big contract in the off season. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's been a, a lost season for Mike Hoffman. He started off the season just terribly. Like when you, when you're on a new team, you want to set the tone. You want to get a good and first impression with the coach, the GM, the fans didn't really happen. He's starting to come around of late. The whole St. Louis team is starting to come around of late. They're starting to find some life, get some mojo back in their game while they push for the playoffs. But man, for a $4 million player, even just a $4 million player, like this, let me remind you, Mike Coffin was looking for this offseason. I bet you he was asking for six, five, seven million dollars. He had to settle for four. The market wasn't there. He's not playing like a four million dollar player. Not at all. Like when you look at his stats, they're pretty comparable. He has a little bit maybe he's a little bit better than Mike Kala or Eric Kala, Mike Hoffman is. So I don't know. It's a single. We're using baseball references. It's okay. He's not gonna get the money he's gonna get this offseason. 
he's going to be lucky to get 2.5 a year. The way the cap is, the way the market is, he is going to be very, very disappointed. Whereas last offseason, I will bet you, I will bet you, he had teams offering him three years, four years at three, four, five million dollars. Not five, maybe four. I bet you he had an offer for four years, four million dollars, and he turned it down. He signed one year four for a prove it deal. Now he's going to get offers in the two, two point five, three million dollar range. That's it. It's and it's just a matter of availability. He's not young anymore. He's going to be thirty two years old. He, he scores some goals, but you can replace him with younger kids. No one's going to give him a three-year deal when you're 32 years old and you're coming off your worst series, um, season in your NHL career. So, a swing and a miss. No. Swing and mild contact. A slow dribbler that gets through the third baseline for a single. And he will sign a two- or three-year deal. He's not going to do another prove-it-year deal because this was an epic, not an epic fail, mild fail. And... Um, I don't know. Not, not a very good outcome for Mike Kaufman or the St. Louis Blues altogether. I think they're both disappointed. He will not go back to St. Louis unless he takes a huge pay cut. And we'll see him this offseason. You know what he's going to do? He's going to sign with the Bruins, and he's going to put up 40 goals next year. You heard it here first. And, and I, I firmly believe that. And whoever signs him, they'll sign him for three years, and they're going to get a heck of a deal because he's a good player. He's a goal scorer. He's going to go there. The pressure is going to be off. He's going to have this contract under his belt, not the money he wants, and he's going to light it up. And then he's going to be like, oh, man, I should have yeah, had another prove-it deal. Ah, Mike Coffin. Well, let's just recalibrate here for a second, though, because he's played 41 games, which is exactly half of a full regular season, right? So he's put up 14 goals. So just multiply everything times two, 28 goals, 56 points. It was pretty good. And not to mention his, his – um, I mean, I, I think he's just a good player, and I think in the right situation, he will be better. And I think GMs know that. But at the same time, I think you can find – I think there are a lot of guys that can put up 50 points in this league that you don't need to overpay for, um, and especially if they're looking internally for younger guys to take a risk on for, for minimum contracts or guys making one or two, hoping they strike gold that, rather than overpaying for a free agent. Like, like you said, is 32 years old, um, looking for a bigger payday. Yeah, I, I can't imagine he's going to be – too, too popular in the depth, at the offseason, I mean. Tim, if you ever recalibrate and undercut my argument, we're going to have an issue again. You I just totally did. just <laughs> – but no, I don't think it's been a successful season. They only have 10 games left, and he's going to end up with, I don't know, 32 points, 33 points. I don't think that's a good season for him. <sighs> Excuse me. Moving on. <laughs> Another guy who was hoping for a big contract, the, the big thing with this guy was he was his own agent which is a huge risk when you're a player. You want to have an agent to kind of, you know, go around and pump your tires to all these GMs and kind of prod and poke and say, you know, you don't have this. You could use this. You could use this. That's what agents do. They're very good at it. My agent got me my career. If I didn't have him, there's no way I would have been in the league for longer than one year. Anthony Duclair, friend, not a friend of this show. I've asked him to come on many times. Not a friend of the show. Hates the show. But former teammate of mine, good player, Really, really kind of jumped into the NHL and just made his mark early. Him and Max Domi with the Arizona Coyotes. He almost put up 50 points his first year. Just 20 goals, 24 points in your first season. That's a good way to start your career. Anyways, didn't really work out in Arizona. Went to Chicago, did not work out there. Went to Columbus, did not work out there. Went to Ottawa trying to you know figure things out. He's still a young kid at this point. He's only 23 years old. Something clicks in Ottawa for whatever reason. Last year... 
he just lights it up the first half of the season. He was scoring a goal every game, two goals, three goals. The guy was on fire. He was on pace to get like a goal a game, 50-goal season, and then it just like the well went dry. He didn't score. I, th- I think he only had like two or three goals the last half of the season. He finishes up with 40 points in 66 games, 23 goals. When you look at it, you know, when you stand back, you're like, man, that's a lot of points. But when you kind of dig into the numbers, you're like, well, he really just played good the first 20 games. Like he, he put up over half of his points in his first 20 games with Ottawa. Like what happened? What, why is he not producing? Anyways, I think when he went into the offseason, he was expecting to sign a contract for the 40 points in 66 games with the GMs were – kind of making him making it known like you know what you maybe got lucky a little bit your shooting percentage was off the charts this isn't normal the metrics say that we can't expect this year in and year out he signs a one-year deal for 1.7 million dollars much like mike hoffman i feel like he did have two three four-year deals on the table for maybe 1.52 million dollars he said nope i'm gonna go for a prove it deal <sighs> anthony you know he's having an okay season you know, it's, it's not a remarkable season. He's got 25 points, 36 games. He's playing pretty well. Where do you think he, he lands? His, it's, a, it's, it's hard to say because I, I think the expectations for Anthony Duclair weren't as high as the Mike Hoffman, but he's, he's playing fairly well. I, I think he, he's on their second line in Florida. He's putting up decent numbers, and he's – like he's obviously not putting up the goals that he had last year, but he's, I don't know, he's playing good. Where do you think he lands next year, Tim? Do you think it was a good decision to sign a one-year deal? Where does he grade out? Uh, I, I think he's made a few bad decisions in the last six months. I mean, representing yourself, like you said, we talked about in the offseason. Unless you're like, and Drew Doughty does it, right? There's a couple other guys. If you're that caliber, you can do it. And you just say, hey, here are my terms. Here's the deal. Let's just sign it. If you're a player who's sort of unproven, who looking to – kind of reached that next echelon of players and, he, and he's betting on himself. I think he made some bad decisions. I think he probably turned down some stronger contracts than he's going to be offered now. And then, yeah, like he's put up 25 points in 36 games, but only six goals. And you bring him in to score goals. He had 23 last year in 66 games. So, I mean, he's putting up some decent production, but he's not scoring goals like he normally does. That said, his shooting percentage is just about half of what his career average is, which is 12.2, and right this year it's 6.9%. So there might be some bad luck there. There might be some um, just, you know, not quality chances and 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 – you know, th- that happens and it could just be a spike just because of that. But I think he's made a, a poor choice in representing himself. Hopefully he goes back into the next free agency with an agent, um, entertaining some offers. And I think some team's going to buy low on him and offer him probably like, you know, two million, three years, something like that. And, and they might be surprised at how well he can do in the right situation. And, and if he finds the right line mates, and if he connects, he's a proven 20 goal scorer in this league. Um, so I think he probably can get that again, but this year is not going too well for him. Unless, again, you know, Florida Florida's a strong team. If they go on a deep playoff run or if he can show what he can do in the playoffs, right, if he can get some big playoff goals, if he can play physical, maybe shed the mitts once in a while. Um, He's he not might. fighting anybody. <laughs> no. Or at least, at least play physical and, uh, and score some goals in the playoffs. And, and GMs are going to be watching, obviously. I don't think Florida's really, really a threat to, to win the Cup, but um, a lot of guys have, have earned – Contracts they might not have deserved just because of strong playoff, you know, over a course of a couple of weeks, a couple of series. So that could be him. 
Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think it's his, if, if we're using the baseball analogy still, I think he's, he's got a, a double. You know, it was an okay year. I, I don't think he ruined his reputation. The thing that he has going for him is he's young. He's only 25 years old. He's still got a lot of time to kind of grow. GMC that, and they won't be thrown off like a Mike Hoffman who's turning 32, 33 years old. So, I mean, you know, but you, you, you talk about Galchenyuk being a suitcase. Anthony Duclair, is, he's 25. He's, he's played in it for six NHL teams already. I mean, that's kind of – no one's talking about that either. What did I just say? Six teams. Yeah. Don't dump on my, my, uh, my ideas anymore. <laughs> We're going to have a talk after the show. I tell you what. I'm sorry, everybody, that you had to hear that. It's like when you get in an argument in front of your kids. Like, I'm sorry you had, you had to hear that. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to the last prove-it deal, Taylor Hall. The most polarizing of all the players, there was a Taylor Hall sweepstakes. Everybody and their brother had an opinion on where this guy should go, how much you should pay him, what he's worth, what his value is, what's going to happen with Taylor Hall. Then he just shocks everybody this offseason and signs with the Buffalo Sabres. I'm not even going to go down that road, but he signed a one-year, $8 million deal with the Buffalo Sabres. It got me thinking, hey, this guy's a former MVP. And how often is it that an MVP even hits the free agent market, let alone hitting the free agent market a year after you won your MVP? It's a very rare thing to happen. It hasn't happened in a long time to anybody. So I went back and looked at the last few MVPs. Ovechkin, 2013. He was in a 13-year, $124 million contract at the time that ends this year. 2014, Crosby. He was in a 12-year, $104 million deal. 2015, Price. He signs an extension that next offseason for eight years, $84 million. Kane, 2016. He signs an extension that offseason for eight years, $84 million. McDavid wins it in 17. He signs an extension that offseason for $8 million, $100 million. Taylor Hall wins the MVP in 2018. He is coming off of his contract that next year. He only signs a one-year deal. One year, like, all these other guys, 13, 12, 8, 8, 8 years. Why does Taylor Hall only sign a one-year deal? One year after his MVP season. Do you have any reason for that? What, what was the next team that he signed with? The New Jersey Devils. So he signed with them again? Yeah, because he, when he went to New Jersey, he, he was still on his Edmonton Oilers contract. Yep. Maybe he was on that contract and he signed with the Buffalo Sabres for one year. That's what it was. So why does this guy not get a long-term deal two years after – well, one year after he wins the MVP? It doesn't make sense to me. All these other guys are well over – Crosby's making 8.7 a year, which is such a wiener thing to do. <laughs> It's the biggest lame thing. I want everything to be 87. I was born in 1987, August 7th. I'm 87. Like, oh my goodness. My contract's going to be $8.7 million a year. But all these guys are making close to $10 million a year. And Taylor Hall can't get a multi-term deal with anybody. He has to sign a one-year deal for $8 million. Let's just try to answer that question. Why? Why did that happen? Tim, tell me. Well, obviously, Taylor Hall is not Ovechkin or Kane or McDavid or Crosby. So, like, you know, we're not trying to make a false equivalency here. But you got to assume that after winning MVP, I don't think he had 100 points, 96, something like that, right? 93. 93. Um, how many goals did he score that year? 39. 
Okay. I mean, it's not even the strongest MVP season either. You know what I mean? Like, I think there are guys that you can make an argument. There, there are guys that, that put up 110 points and don't win MVP, you know, 40 goals. So, um, I don't know. I, I wonder if GMs, if he has a reputation among GMs that doesn't uh, translate into long-term deals, doesn't translate into big numbers, doesn't translate into wanting to build a franchise around this guy. Um, we've seen him. We've seen a bunch around bounce around to a few different teams now. I don't really have an answer. I mean, you, you hear rumblings about him as a as a teammate, as a player, and stuff like that. You don't know if it's true or not. You don't want to give credence to any like rumors and stuff. But usually, when there's smoke, there's fire. So maybe there's something to that. Maybe there's a just the reluctance of of management and, and ownership to build around him for some reason. And I wonder if he's ever gonna you know secure a long term contract. By long term, I mean more than three years right what do you think yeah well there wasn't fire this morning when i tried to start there was a lot of smoke so that that little saying wherever there's smoke they're fired did not apply to my fireplace this morning tim and it was very frustrating i woke up early at 5 30 to start the fire before i went about my day and left the house um i had to I, my wife called me and she said uh, john you got to come home the fire is just smoke's billowing anywhere everywhere so anyways moving on um, I don't know what the reason is, Tim. I feel like, like you said, he's got some injury history. GMs are a little put off by that. And I honestly feel nowadays GMs are nervous to put all their eggs in one basket. And when you're a guy who's asking for the type of money that he's asking for, you better sure as heck be a bona fide superstar who can carry my team. And I feel like when you look at his history, he didn't really make an Edmonton team that much better. They didn't really make any noise in the playoffs. When he was with New Jersey, they had some good teams. They didn't make any noise in the playoffs. So, if, like, I'm going to put some money in your pocket. You better be able to get me to the playoffs, and you better be able to raise everybody else around you to a different level. And I don't know. I, I think he's going to be sorely hurt when he hits this offseason when he's looking for $8 million. It's not going to be there. I see Taylor Hall this offseason getting a four- or five-year deal in the four or $5 million range. And much like a Hoffman's deal, whoever signs Taylor Hall to that type of deal is going to be, they're going to be very happy. They're going to get a lot of return on their investment. Cause I feel like he has a lot of good hockey behind him, ahead of him. Excuse me. He's only 29 years old. He, he's not that old. He has a good four years, five years ahead of him. So it's just, it's just remarkable to me that when you look at all the other MVPs and I only went back six years, seven years, I guarantee you I can go back 10, 20 years. All the former MVPs, all of these guys were signing multi-year deals for Uber money, and this guy just didn't hit for, for whatever reason, whether it was the marketplace, whether it was the pandemic, whether it was just his injury history. I don't know because it's not like when he went to New Jersey, he put up bad numbers. He had good seasons there, and then he goes to Arizona, and he gets a point a game, arguably, you know, when he gets traded there at the deadline. So – it's it's just a strange situation. I My inkling is he finishes out the season in Boston. He's already playing well. He's got six points in eight games. He's doing well there. He's found a home on the second line. He resurrects his you know value a little bit, and he signs with Edmonton. He goes and he slots in there as a second line left wing. They need winger help at Edmonton. And he just goes back there. He signs for four or five million bucks, and they make it work. That That's what makes sense to me. But I don't know what's going to happen. It, Going back to our analogy with baseball, I think this is a huge strikeout for Taylor Hall. 
I don't think he comes anywhere near $8 million. I don't think he comes anywhere near $7 million, $6 million. Would not surprise me if he signed for four point five, which is still a heck of a lot of money that most of us listening are never even going to sniff in our lifetime. But for a guy like Taylor Hall, who won the MVP in 2018, it's, uh, it's, it's quite the fall from grace. It really is. I don't know. Any other closing comments on this whole little, did they make the right decision? No, other than I hope the Bruins sign him. So, you think they? You think that would be a good decision if they signed Taylor Hall? I do, because I've said all along, like in the he needs to go somewhere where he's not the guy, right? So, like Boston's perfect for him, or Pittsburgh, or Washington. We can be like a even a second line player playing with a good center and, and not having to you know have that that responsibility on his shoulders of having to carry his team. I think is where he's going to thrive. And you're starting to see little signs of it here. So I think, like you said, whoever signs it, signs him is going to be happy with the production that he provides, as long as it's a good situation for him. I agree. We all hope him the best. He was, I, he was on my all-star game team. Good yeah. kid. You had a nice shower with him, right? Oh, unbelievable shower. Like you, t- you know what I was thinking the other day? I, I, almost, I almost texted you to put a poll up for our Drop in the Gloves Twitter account. What is everyone's opinion on peeing in the shower? Do you do it, Tim? Rarely. I have, but no. Yeah. Rarely. Like hardly ever. That's interesting. It's just it's just one of those things where you either do it or you don't. I do it every time. <laughs> Does Danielle know that? Yeah. I've done it. Well, I shower with her sometimes. I just wait till she's got her back turned and down the drain it goes. <laughs> gross. It's not gross. It's just fluid. What makes it gross is if it smells a little bit and I have to like open up the curtain, try to get some air circulation. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh all that. Get it's, Move on. Come get on. it going here. But anyways, okay. Another thing I was thinking about is you see at the deadline, players switching places, new faces, new places. The idea, the, the jersey number comes up. A lot of guys who are getting traded are, are – you know, pretty high profile players, when they get to a new team, they want to have their Jersey number. They want to have the number they've worn for their whole career. And you see a lot of guys giving up their jerseys, guys asking teams for permission to wear this Jersey might be retired, that sort of thing. It got me thinking because I, I, I did another interview this week with the Buffalo Sabres. I went on the instigators podcast. Rob Ray was there and he was giving me a hard time that I didn't call him to use his number in Buffalo. And I told Rob, I said, Rob, I had no idea you even wore that number. I'm sorry. So at what point, Tim, do you have to make that call? Just say you're going to a team and a guy, the Jersey's not retired, but you're going to a team. Just say you go to San Jose next year and Patty Marlowe's number. It's not in the rafters yet, but you want to wear Patty Marlowe's number. No. Do you have to call Patty? Do you have to, like, at what point in your career do you become, you know, that's my number. I have to call and get a permission to wear that guy's number. Because in my opinion, Rob Ray was good, but he wasn't like at a level where I had to call and ask for his number. It's not like he was in Buffalo the year before. It was like a decade beyond when he played. I think there are certain numbers where you like certain guys you want to show respect to and, and, and give them a call or whatever. But there are certain guys that you don't, those numbers, even if they're not retired, you don't wear them. And Marlo would be one of them, right? Like if, if, you know, Bergeron retires next year, I mean, I imagine they retire at that number right away, but if they don't, like no one's touching 37, then no one's even making a call to, to, to him to ask. So I don't think, I think it's a case by case basis. I think you just kind of know, um, but I, when you started this conversation, I thought you were going to bring up the Cole Caulfield thing again, wearing 22. 
Uh, no, no. Which is funny though, because people are like, well, even 22 in Montreal, that was, um, was it Shutt's number? Like it's a pretty epic was, number in Montreal history. Dale Weiss wore it before you. Yeah. So, and then you go to a team like Montreal, literally every number they have has some history behind it. Do you have to make a phone call every time you go to Montreal to wear someone's number? I, I just think it's, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I don't, there's maybe a handful of guys you have to make that phone number to, and you have to have a hall of fame HOF in front of your name in order for you to make that phone call. So I don't know. I think it was just funny. Rob was giving me a hard time about it, but moving on, we were going to touch on the playoff picture, but I don't think we should anymore, Tim. It's getting kind of late. And I wanted to touch on something else. The Nashville predators. I was looking at the standings the other day. They are in a playoff position right now, but they have the Dallas stars breathing down their neck. As it stands today, Nashville is in the playoffs, but Dallas, they have two games in hand. They're two points behind them. Dallas has been playing very good hockey of late. They're 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. They are smoking. Nashville, they're okay. They've been sputtering a little bit. They're not firing on all cylinders, but they're being competitive. What happens if Nashville misses the playoffs? What happens if you have to walk away from guys who you could have had a haul from, a Michael Granlin, an Eric Halla, all of these guys who you were going to move on from. On the back end, you were looking to trade Ryan Ellis. You were looking to trade Matthias Ekholm. What happens to your team when you have to just lose these guys? You're not losing Ellis and Ekholm, but their value isn't as high now as it would have been at the deadline when teamers are clamoring to get these guys you know, for the stretch run. Does that, if you're a Nashville Predators fan, does that irk you that you never made that decision and didn't pull the trigger on all these trades and you decided to go for it, even though your best players, Johansson and Duchesne, aren't playing very well this year? And even if you do make the playoffs, you're going to run in to a juggernaut like the Tampa Bay Lightning and there's very little chance you're going to make it out of your division. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting where GMs, they get lauded for, you know, going for it for making a push. Nashville didn't do anything. They kind of just stood pat. They didn't make a move. They didn't add anybody. They just, you know, held their cards. Is that, is this a good move or am I just overthinking things? I think it was a, a terrible mistake. I feel strongly about this. Ooh. Nashville should have been sellers at the deadline playoff spot or not. There was a 0.0 chance. They make it out of this division. They're in arguably the, the most top-heavy division in the league with Tampa and then Carolina and, and Florida right behind them, even though they're both technically ahead of Tampa in the standings. Don't, I don't want anyone to call me out on that, but Tampa's the best team and everyone knows it. So there's just no chance they make it out of this division. I, I'd be surprised if they – I would be flabbergasted. I'd be thunderstruck if they win a series even, even if it's against Carolina or Florida. Um, especially with Dallas breathing down the neck, they might, they might not even make the playoffs. Nashville should have been sellers at the deadline. They should have gotten, they could have gotten like a haul of first rounders and, and solid draft picks and prospects for, like you mentioned, the um, Grandland and Halla and even uh, Ekholm, even Philippe Forsberg, whose name was tossed around a little bit. They should have been sellers. They could have gotten quite a haul. They're not going to get anything close to it in the off season. Like you said, because teams wanted those guys for the playoff run, they're not as valuable in the summer. So I think it's just a big missed opportunity. I think they, they, they won a couple of games, and I think they just put that rose-colored glasses on, and they realized that – or they should have realized that they really had no chance of getting out of this division. They should have been realistic about it. They weren't, and they're kind of stuck in no man's land as a result. So, yeah, Nashville, swing and a miss there, bud. I agree. And when you look at their roster makeup, this team, their window was five years ago. And it – gosh – 
Matt Duchesne has been an epic failure with them. He's 30 years old. He signed on until 25, 26 at $8 million a year. The same goes for Ryan Johansson. He hasn't lived up to his $8 million a year contract. Roman Yossi, you know, he's a good player. He's making almost 10 million a year. I don't know. Nashville, we had such high hopes for them. Philip Floresberg, he's been injured all season. He's not the player he once was. And will he be when he comes back? You need to be a realist when you're a GM. You need to understand where your team is at. And you need to understand where other teams are at at this point in the season, in your rebuild, in the, in the whole grand scheme of things. And that's what, like, their GM, Poye or Poyle? Poyle. Poyle, don't like him on a personal level. But on a GM level, he's been, you know, a pretty good GM over the years. I feel like, like you said, he was he was hoping. And he was really, really hoping these guys would turn it around. But man, they are going to regret this because they could have gotten first-round draft picks for Ellis, Ekholm. Even Ohala could have gotten you a first-round draft pick. We saw what Tampa paid for Goudreau and Coleman last year. The deals were to be had because there wasn't many players out there who were impact players. And all of a sudden, you throw a Nashville Predators team in there who are sellers, you're looking at some pretty good return. And now, coming into this next season, if you're the Nashville Predators, you're like, boy, we didn't make the playoffs because I don't see them making the playoffs at this point. I really don't. You're coming into the new season. You're like, our draft pick isn't great. We're going to get around the, the in the teens because we're going to be one of the higher end of the teams that didn't make the playoffs. We have no salary cap space. We have a lot of guys who are signed to a lot of terms for a lot of money with the Johansson, the Duchesnes, the Yossis, the Ryan Ellis's, the Philippe Forsbergs. Those guys make a lot of money. Our goalies are suspect. We're losing Pekka Rene. UC Soros, his contract is up. We don't have any goalies under contract. What, what do we do with our team? And when you're a team who just coming off a couple of years of failure, you're used to success, what do you do? And they had the opportunity to reset things and not reset, but just reload. Get these draft picks, get some more players. You give yourself some cap space and you just get some influx of talent and they just didn't do it. And I feel like this is going to be their... I don't know. They, they had their chance and they blew it. So swinging a miss Nashville. I hope you missed the playoffs. I hope you never make the playoffs again. I hate you. Okay. I, I don't have strong feelings like you do. That's just my feelings, Tim. <laughs> Those sound pretty strong to me, John. <laughs> I'm kidding. But anyways, I think next episode or maybe the episode after that, we'll do a playoff breakdown because things are starting to heat up, Tim. It's getting down to the wire. We're down to 10 games left. Some, some teams have less. Some teams have more. If you're the Vancouver Canucks, you're midway through your season. But things will be decided. There's going to be some upsets. There's going to be some teams on the outside looking in who are going to be kicking themselves because they didn't really know how to take a shootout or play in overtime. And there's going to be other teams who are like, what happened? We, we, were all, we were all but in the playoffs a month ago, and now we're on the outside looking in. There's teams that are going to be in and be like, what happened? What are we doing here? I don't know what, what's happening. What do I do with my hands? I don't know. But anyways, we'll break that down this week and we'll have another exciting guest. And I hope you guys stick with us. We really enjoy the support. We appreciate it. And uh, any, other, any other things, Tim, you want to add? No, no. Big guest lined up for later in the week. So that'll be fun. Well, I don't think it's a big guest. I think it's an average guest. He's got a big social media following. Is that all it's about these days, social media? No, but he's a big, he's a popular player. So that's, what that's my point. He's not a current player. No, he's not. I would say he would be an average guest of ours. Not a big. I don't want to. I don't want to like pump. You know the the our listeners. Don't get too excited. It's going to be good. It'll be a good interview. It'll be a good one. Tim's mad at me. I'm not mad. I don't get mad. 
I don't get mad, bro. I get even. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later this week. I hope you have a good Monday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.